The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Well, this morning we're concluding um, our series, the, the Spirit-filled, the Spirit-empowered life, um, the Holy Spirit focus we've had over the last few weeks. Uh, Lewis kicked us off a few weeks ago on the day of Pentecost, talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and what that means and what it doesn't mean and how it's not about, you know, uh, feelings and, you know, all these kind of uh, emotional experience, but it's about being filled with the overwhelming love and awareness of Jesus. And it's allowing our souls to be saturated with the presence of God. That's what really it's about. It's about being empowered for mission, empowered for ministry, uh, boldness to be uh, witnesses for Jesus. That's what the baptism of the Spirit's all about. And then two weeks ago, uh, uh, Tanya uh, Harris came and spoke to us about investing into and being committed into building and nurturing this relationship of intimacy that we can have with God through the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us and wants to speak through us to be a blessing to other people people. Last week, uh, Rachel came and again, moved powerfully with the gifts of the Spirit, but also really encouraged us to see that the Holy Spirit wants to do different things in our lives. And He has different roles and different attributes uh, that contribute to our knowing God through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that we can know Him and live and walk in His power and be used of Him in powerful ways. So this morning, I don't want to so much add to your knowledge base. I don't want to add to the content base. I have one job to do today. So it's not a three-point sermon. It's probably just a one-point sermon. my, My main objective this morning is to encourage and inspire you to seek after this Holy Spirit, this person of the Trinity that we've been talking about over these last few weeks. If you if you haven't got it yet, and if you're not convinced yet, then in a very short period of time, I'm I'm hoping that I can just give you enough to go, man. I want more of that. I don't know if you remember the ad a few years ago where this lady was in you know a hair salon and getting you know this massage and getting this shampoo, and she was making all these weird kind of noises and the people watching her go I want more of what she's got you know this ad that kind of said man she seems to be having an amazing time whatever she's doing whatever she's got I I want that and that's what I'm hoping to do for you to see what the Bible offers us in the Holy Spirit so that you're sitting there going I want that that that, I want that to be my reality and my experience and so uh, I've been reading through 1 and 2 Corinthians Uh, many of you would know some of you maybe don't know that we've been in Greece for the last little while on holiday. Uh, that's why we haven't been at church, not because we've been wagging or we've left or anything like that. And one of the things we knew we were going to do is to go to Corinth. And so I thought, I want to read these letters before I go so I get a, a greater appreciation for this church and what was happening in this community. And one of the things that really struck me over and over again was how many times Paul mentions the Spirit. In these letters. Now, as Pentecostals, we go, well, that's no surprise. That's the go to book when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But when you actually look at all the other things he says about the Spirit's ministry in this local church, apart from the gifts of the Spirit, it's profound. It's amazing. And that's what I want to do this morning. I'm going to preach through 1 and 2 Corinthians in about 10 minutes now. I'm going to skate through 1 and 2 Corinthians and highlight for you all these verses that talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're going to try and take notes, good luck. You're not going to be able to do it. If you want the slides, I can send them to you or you can grab them from the back at the end if you bring in a flash drive. We can get them to you. So don't even bother. Just read these and let them 
inspire you. Let the Holy Spirit bring revelation into your heart and say, yes, that's what I want. So here we go. My message this morning is entitled Indispensable. Indispensable. And I hope that as we read these verses, you'll come to the same conclusion. Man, my Christian life uh, is, is nothing without the Holy Spirit. It really isn't. It, it, the Holy Spirit is indispensable for my Christian living. And so 1 Corinthians, we start at chapter 1. Here we go. The Spirit's power confirms the preached word of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 4. In other words, we can't even have faith in what the Bible says without the Holy Spirit's confirming that in our heart. The Spirit reveals the things of God to us. Paul says that the things of the Spirit to an unenlightened spiritual mind mean nothing. You're not able to even comprehend spiritual realities without the Holy Spirit. The Spirit brings about spiritual growth and maturity. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 3. It's the Spirit that helps you become more mature in your Christian faith, grows your faith, and helps you become more the person that God is calling you and I to be. It's the Spirit that does that. The Spirit lives in us collectively as the church. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says that, he's the, that we collectively, when we gather, are the, are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit lives and abides among us. In chapter 6, Paul flips it around and says, you singular, individually, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he lives in us collectively and individually in our bodies as God's living, breathing temple. The Spirit brings about our salvation. 1 Corinthians 6, 11, Paul says that, you know, without the Spirit, we, we couldn't even be born again. That He says to them, you guys were messed up pagans. You were, you know, sexually immoral. You were all kinds of horrible, terrible, sinful, rebellious things. But because of the Holy Spirit, you used to be those things. But now you're not anymore. Because the Holy Spirit has done a work in your life to convict you and to convert you. The Spirit distributes various gifts. I said 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, this is the familiar part. We know this section. But in that section, there's some other beautiful gems. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14, the Spirit makes us a family by bringing unity out of diversity. Paul says that the Spirit is the one that can take this body that's made up of all different members, all different, and yet makes us one in Christ. It's the Spirit that does that. The Spirit enables us to speak in tongues and connect with God in supernatural ways. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 14, talks about that he longs for the Corinthians to be baptized in the Spirit, speaking in tongues, because they have then this incredible heavenly spiritual language that can communicate with God like no other way can. And he says, I, that's why I pray in the Spirit and I sing in the Spirit because my Spirit, the Spirit being in me, is then praying and worshipping using this heavenly language. The Spirit um, in us is the deposit guaranteeing our in in eternal inheritance. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says that. And Ephesians, Paul says the same thing in chapter 1 when he, he unpacks this incredible inheritance that we have. And then he says, we've received the Spirit as a deposit, as a down payment. And he comes and he assures us that what we have is just the tip of the iceberg. And that there is so much more to come. The Spirit accomplishes and testifies to, to God's work in our lives. 2 Corinthians 3, 3 to 6. This is a section where Paul says that we are the letters of commendation written by the Spirit in our hearts. That we don't need letters of recommendation because the Spirit's work in us is evident because the Spirit demonstrates the reality of His work in our lives. He accomplishes it, but then He also testifies to it so that other people can see that the Spirit of God is at work in our lives. 
the Spirit brings freedom. This is one of those powerful verses, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Paul says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty. The Spirit transforms us into the image and glory of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 3.18. What a profound truth that is, that it is because of the Spirit that we become more and more like Jesus. If we try to do that on our own strength, by our self-determination, by just sheer guts and say, I'm going to just look like Jesus, I'm going to do more like, it's impossible. But Paul says it's the Spirit that does that. The Spirit enables us to believe and speak the truth of God's Word. Without the Spirit, we would read this Bible over and over again and it would do nothing. But the Spirit of God in a moment gives us the faith, opens our eyes. In in other passages, Paul says that there's a veil that hangs over everyone. But it's the Spirit that lifts the veil so we can see the glory of Jesus in the Scriptures. It's the Spirit of God that comes and brings alive the Word of God and then enables us to speak it to others. The Spirit gives us hope. Hope as He will raise us up from the dead just as He raised up Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.14, Paul says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus will raise us, us up as well. And we have that assurance and we have that hope that even though our bodies are are perishing and are frail and experience sickness and and, and pain and, and all kinds of things, that the Spirit of God is empowering us even now and is the taste or the assurance that one day our bodies will be resurrected in glorious difference like Jesus' body. The Spirit empowers our earthly body and is a deposit guaranteeing our heavenly body. That's what I've already spoken to. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 5 says that. The Spirit develops godly fruit. This is powerful in our lives in the face of hardship and hostility and opposition. 2 Corinthians 6, 4 to 10, Paul is talking about his own ministry and the hardships he's faced and the difficulties and, and the persecution and the challenges. And he talks about how the Spirit, in the midst of all of that, is producing his fruit, patience, kindness and love and generosity and grace it's the spirit that can do that and when you've been through hardship and you've been through persecution and you've been through challenging times you know that's true because when people look at you and say things like how can you be so whatever kind how can you be so at peace how can you be so whatever in the midst of that you don't often say oh it's because I'm just a great person I'm just more like Jesus. No, you say, it's God. It's God that does that in my heart. But it's the Spirit's work. It's the Spirit. It's, he's the agency of God to do that in our hearts. And then the last one, the Spirit enables us to have an intimate relationship with God and each other. And this is Paul's benediction at the end of 2 Corinthians 13. And he says, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And and what he means there is the fellowship we have with the Father, the intimacy we have with the Father and with one another that's brought about by the Spirit's work in our heart. So that's 1 and 2 Corinthians. So here's where now I just want to apply this to us. And then the band's going to come up and we're going to spend time in worship and just seeking for more of the Holy Spirit. That's what we want to do this morning. See, the longer we're Christians the more we drift from this. I don't know why that is. And I want you to search your heart as to why that's true for you. Or maybe you say, no, that's not true for me. I I hunger and I long for and I desire the Spirit just as much as I did when I first became a Christian. If that's true of you, that is awesome. I want to encourage you to keep nurturing that. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. But if you're anything like me, 
then it's probably true that the longer you've been a Christian, the less urgent this seems. The less we feel the need to respond when prayer for more of the Holy Spirit is offered, the, 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 the less hungry we seem to be, the less we tend to pray, God, will you just fill me with the Holy Spirit? Which is why I was challenged when I read 1 and 2 Corinthians. And now I've taken to praying every day when I start, however long I spend in, with time with God, just that. God, just fill me again. Fill me afresh with your Spirit. And, you know, as I think about the many needs that are in our church and the many needs that are in the, in the lives of people, I find myself, whatever the need is, I get to the same point. I go, God, just fill them with the Spirit. Fill them with the Spirit. W- what is the obstacle in your mind? Where, where is the, the hardness or the dryness that's there that has taken you away from the centrality of seeking after more of the Spirit? See, the Galatian church experienced this. And Paul's whole letter was written to a church that began in the Spirit's life and fervor and passion. And then somehow they got caught up in works and went back to legalism and were relying on their self-effort. And Paul has to rebuke them. And in Galatians 3, he, he asks them this direct question. You began so well. What happened? How did the focus shift away from the Spirit and become about you doing good works now? And which is why at the end of his letter, he, he brings them back to the centrality of the Spirit. And he says a whole bunch of things about the Spirit. And you see this. He told the Galatians, walk by the Spirit so that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, 5.16. And to, to be led by the Spirit so that they can be free of legalism. To seek the Spirit's fruit in their lives, 5.22.24. To live by the Spirit. To keep in step with the Spirit. To sow to please the Spirit. Because it is from the Spirit that they will reap eternal life. Lots of different ways to say one thing. Surrender. Live a life that is surrendered to the Spirit. Don't, don't kid yourself into thinking you can do this Christian thing on your own. And I think the longer we're Christians, the more we tell ourselves that. And the more optional the Spirit becomes. I want to suggest to you that there is no such thing as a non-Spirit-filled, non-Spirit-empowered Christian. It it doesn't exist. The biblical norm of Christianity is a Spirit-filled, Spirit-empowered person. That's the norm. It's not the exception. It's not the weird, hyper-whatever This is the norm for Christians, to live in the power and in relationship and abiding in the Spirit. But this is not not a static thing. It's not like, okay, once you're filled, you're filled. It's it's a dynamic experience. Think of the illustration I can think of, and there's several, but one is think of a jar of water. If you fill that jar and you just even leave it by itself, the level of water will decrease because it evaporates. But then you kind of knock it around a little bit, water spills out, you use some of the water to do a whole bunch of things, and the level just goes down and down and down. That's how it is with our spirits. That's how it is with our experience of the spirit. It it depletes, it leaks, if you like, or it flows out of us in lots of different ways. Living in a hostile world to God will deplete you spiritually and add to that spiritual warfare. It will deplete you. Serving God 
serving one another. That's not a natural human thing. You need the power of the Spirit. So it will deplete you. Using your gifts in ministry context will deplete you. Dealing with family issues and crises in your home will deplete you. Being a mom of any more than one child or even one child will deplete you. Praying and, and, and fasting and, and, and seeking God's heart will deplete you as well as fill you. It's, it's dynamic, which is why Paul tells the Ephesians that they need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. It's not a one-off deal. And so this morning, I'd like the team to come up. We're going to be praying we're going to be praying for those who've never experienced the baptism of the Spirit and, and evidence that with speaking in tongues. Now, you might be sitting there going, Hillary, I've been there, I've done that, I've gone forward for prayer so many times and nothing's happened and, you know, I'm good with that. Well, I want to encourage you this morning. And look, as I've been a pastor, I've been in ministry uh, over 20 years, and there are others here who've been in ministry for longer than me, and they'll probably tell you the same thing. I don't know why sometimes for some people, God just fills them like this, the, one of the pictures to overflowing in one go. I've prayed with people who just heard about the Holy Spirit, didn't know much about Him at all, and they say, you know what, if, God, if that's what God has for me, I want it, I want the baptism, and they come for prayer, and they just, they speak in tongues, and they experience the baptism of power, and it's, it's awesome. And then other people come, and they say, I want that, and we pray, and nothing seems like it happens. And they go away, and they come back next week, or the, at a camp, or some other time, and, and they've done that multiple times, and they think that nothing's happened. But what I believe is that it is happening. Because the Bible promises that every time we ask for the Spirit, God gives it. But for some people, and I don't know why. This is the why I don't know. Why for some people, God just fills them up a little at a time. But at some point, it gets to the top and it overflows. And I've seen that too. And I don't know if I've told you this story, but I'll tell you this story. Again, if you've never heard it. There was a, a guy who came to our church. He was a student at Wesley from, I think, Perth or Adelaide. Came, joined Wesley, which was a Christian college, and ended up at our church. Started fellowshipping with us. Came from a Baptist background. And he started coming to our church, and long story short, he became one of our youth leaders. And part of one of the things that we had at the time and still do is this requirement that our leaders go through a weekend of um, what we call a living free. Now, some of you have done that. We're looking at just getting rid of junk in our lives kind of like the preaching series we did at the end of last year decluttering our lives and being filled with the spirit and one of the things we do in that retreat is really pray for the baptism of the holy spirit as evidence with speaking in tongues and this guy was having some major issues with this because of his background again because of his previous experience he'd gone for prayer multiple times and nothing had happened so he was like oh hillary do i really have to go and do this i'm really struggling with this and i said look I'd love for you to go. And we talked a lot and we prayed a lot. And he came to the point of going, okay, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. And he went really open, really seeking, really hungry for God and nothing happened. And, you know, again, cutting a long story short, he ended up leaving our church because he got a position um, serving God as a youth pastor back in a Baptist church. 
And as a Baptist minister, one of the things that he needed to do was go to Morling to do his final bit of theological study to be certified as a Baptist minister. And he went to a, a, one of the theology lecturers and he's hearing one of the theologians talk about that the Holy Spirit doesn't work that way anymore. He doesn't move that way anymore. Tongues, prophecy, the gifts of the Spirit, you know, that was for that time but not for today. And he's sitting there going, now I know that that's not true. I've, I've been in a Pentecostal church. I've seen it. I've experienced. I've, I've seen people moving in the gifts. I know that that's not true. And so he was talking with some of the other students and they got together at lunchtime and said, God, if this is, if what you're doing is legit and we believe it is, will you do it for us? And he got filled with the Holy Spirit and he spoke in tongues at a Baptist Bible college after a lecture on that it doesn't happen anymore. Why? Now in my mind I think God it would have made so much more sense for him to receive that when he's in a Pentecostal church. And yet God has his timing and his ways. But I believe that every time he came hungry and expectant, God was doing something in his heart. Why do I believe that? Because in Luke 11, the Bible says that. And, and Jesus uses the present tense Greek word when he talks about praying this way. He says, keep seeking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Ask and keep on knocking. Now, if, if God just always answered every prayer the first time we asked it, Jesus used the wrong tense. He didn't need to use that tense. He could have used a, a Greek word that just meant just do it once and it's valid for all time. But he didn't. He said sometimes it's like that. We need to keep and seeking and keep asking and keep knocking. But the promise is that when you ask for the Holy Spirit, the Father will give you the Holy Spirit. And that's what I'm believing for. So whether it's your first time asking or your 3,487th time asking, don't quit asking. And every time you ask, God is doing something in your heart. And at some point, that vessel is going to get full. And it is going to overflow in amazing ways. And you will know that something different and decisive has happened in your heart. So why don't you stand? And if you'd like us to pray, and I'm not going to prolong it because we've already gone over and we do want to spend a, a lot of time praying. Why don't you come? And whether it's baptism of the Spirit for the first time, whether it's a fresh infilling, whether you are sick in your body and you need a miracle, you need God's healing, whether you want to move in the gifts of the Spirit, whatever it is, come and seek God. And the reason we ask people to come to the front is because, again, the Bible makes clear that something profound happens when we lay hands and pray. And it's a bit hard to come and lay hands where you are. So it's easier if you come to where we are. And we have an eldership team and a prayer team that just want to lay hands, pray for you, and agree together with you. So as the band leads, leave your seats and come. And also I need to let you know that I've asked the kids team to bring the kids up because we'd love to pray for our kids as well. We don't want them to miss out. Now, parents, if you, you're happy for that to happen, then bring your kids to the front. But again, there's no pressure. We don't want to force ourselves on you or your kids. But they're going to bring them up and they're welcome to join us in prayer if that's something you'd be happy with. Thanks, team. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.